Good morning and welcome to our live broadcast at First Presbyterian Church. It is a joy to come into your home today with good news about God who loves you. We are located in beautiful Uptown Columbus on the corner of 11th and 1st. We would love for you to join us for worship or just stop by and say hello. At First Presbyterian Church, we welcome you with grace and gratitude for God's love. Seeing that the congregation is already sufficiently illuminated, I will now go to the uh, first scripture lesson, which is John 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God, for that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits a sin is guilty of lawlessness. Lawlessness is a sin. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there was no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. The word of the Lord. Our second lesson is taken from the gospel of Luke. We are in chapter 24. We are reading verses 36 through 48. Last week we had John's account of Jesus appearing to the disciples in their moment of fear, not yet understanding that he had been raised. This is Luke's account. So listen again with fresh ears. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. He said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and he ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day 
And that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we pick up in Luke's account, the disciples here are afraid. Jesus appears to them, just as he did in John's account, and said, peace. And from this point, Jesus does something intentional and quickly. He goes through several of the senses, physical senses, to make sure they know that he is real, he is alive, and he is standing there with them. Think about our senses, our five senses for a moment. Senses are the way that we perceive the world. Our interaction with every second of every day comes through our senses. What we see, what we touch, what we smell, what we hear, what we taste. Our senses are our interpretive device for how we process the world. Think about how amazing the senses are that connect to your memories. For example, sometimes I can smell a smell and it takes us someplace, right? Sometimes that's good, sometimes that's not so good. But when you think of Christmas baking in the house, or at grandma's house who cooks the special cake, muffins, whatever, biscuits, that smell can take you right back there. When I, sometimes I can think of certain perfumes that I run across that remind me of girls I dated 20 years ago. Like I said, they aren't always positive memories. Some of those are, some of those are not. When you hear a sound, sound can transport us. Music can transport us. Often when I hear songs on the radio, it takes me back to a certain time and place. Again, sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not. I know that when I hear Madonna's Crazy For You, I think of Renee Robinson, my freshman year. If I hear Phil Collins, Against All Odds, I think of Mindy Morton. When I hear Prince's Let's Go Crazy, I think of Karen Popany. I think we went skating, roller skating to that song. We hear things and they take us back. They transport us. Our senses are so integral and integrated into our brains, into our personalities. Our senses are the way that we understand life. And Jesus knows this. Senses we put more in the kind of science category because we can see them, we can touch them. 
We can smell, hear, see, all of those things that to us prove without a doubt that the thing we're looking at is there. Our senses feed us that information. So Jesus pops into the room, peace be with you. Of course, they're terrified. And they say, he says, stop. Why, why do you still disbelieve? Why do you still doubt? And then he starts running through the senses. He says, see or look four times in this passage. So okay, they can see that he is standing there. Touch my hands. Feel them. So they can see, they can hear him speaking. And at this point, Scripture says this great phrase, while in their joy, they were disbelieving. In their joy, they were disbelieving. So they're up to this point. Jesus has shown himself. They can touch him, hear him, see him. And they're starting to think, oh my gosh, could this be real? But their brain could not process all of this at the same time. Ever been so surprised and overcome with information or shocked that you, you just you can't put two and two together? I think that's what the disciples were. They knew enough to be filled with joy, but didn't quite figure out what all of that meant. Still wondering in their joy. So Jesus says, okay, let's take the next step. We'll keep working the senses. He says, have you anything to eat? And apparently they were cooking some fish because they had some grilled fish right there. And they gave him some boiled, boiled, fish, broiled fish and he ate it. And so first they thought Jesus was a ghost. And Jesus says, look, I'm eating. I have a body. Ghosts can't eat, can they? No, I am me, myself, who I say that I am. So Jesus was clearly in a resurrected body that can be touched, seen, heard. They smelled through that fish lunch. They tasted together that meal. Again, Jesus, without a shadow of doubt, now proves to them that he is real and standing before them. So after this, he pivots. He gets them past their fear, and then he gets them to believe, and then he starts teaching them, talking scripture to them. It says at this point that Jesus opened up their minds to the scripture. How did he do that? He got them past fear, and he got them to belief. Last week, if you remember, we talked about fear some and those disciples in the upper room and talked about how one of our challenges was to have more faith in Christ than we have fear in the world. And so once we're past that fear and once they believed that Jesus was real, had been raised, then they understood scripture in a way that they could not before. So Jesus reminds them, I told you when I was with you that the Son of Man had to be betrayed, would suffer, would die on the cross, and then be raised on the third day. 
And now they fully understand or they more so understand. And the very end is the pivot. Use their senses to get them past their fear and to believe. And then the last sentence says, you are to be witnesses of these things. Now that you have seen and heard and tasted and smelled that fish in Christ in the room, touched him. Now that you're past that fear, now that you believe because I made it real for you from Jesus's perspective, now you have no reason not to go out and be my witnesses to the fact that I have been raised. And for us, I think we still encounter Jesus on a daily basis through our senses. I think sometimes we realize that, sometimes we don't. I think if you came in this morning in the rain and you knew we were having a baptism, those two things could have connected for you. You can see Christ in the people sitting next to you and around you. You can hear Christ in a song or a performance or our amazing organ and choir music. But the music on the radio or the music that you hear wherever you listen. We can see Christ in the books that we read. We can see Christ in the interactions that we have. Our senses are always not just a tool for perception of the world, but an understanding that Christ is with us. So that first challenge is to seek Christ through your senses, to be aware of that. And I guarantee you're going to start seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, and knowing that Christ has been with you. So then he pivots to the, now you have to be witnesses. That is your job. You have seen beyond the shadow of a doubt, your joy no longer is coupled with misunderstanding or doubts. It is free and clear. Now you have to go be witnesses. Now I don't know if we ever get to that point that they did where they knew without a shadow of a doubt that Christ has been raised in that same way where he stood before them. But I think that we do know that Christ has been raised. And it is our job to take that light and that joy out into the world to be witnesses. And I know that can be a scary church word. Witness. Can I get a witness? Yeah, so we'll have First Presbyterian Sunday. Everybody will go out and take a corner. And you can preach to everybody coming by. Sure, that's not a bad idea. But there are so many ways to be witnesses to the risen Christ that we are called to be a part of. You don't have to speak to somebody. You don't have to open a Bible to somebody, although those are great things if you can and the opportunity is there in a way that won't scare them or make them run away. Often our deeds can proclaim witness to the risen Christ. There's a story I came across about Senator John McCain and his time in a PO, as a POW prisoner of war in the Vietnam War. While he was being detained one certain night, 
they strung him up in what he called torture ropes. And they left him there to be there all night, to suffer, to be in pain all night. So after they set him up, everybody leaves, and a few minutes later, one of the guards that he had never had a conversation with comes into his cell and loosens those ropes. He's still in those ropes, but they're not as tight. He eased his suffering, and then the guard walked out, didn't say a word. So in the morning, the guard comes back at the end of his shift, and he tightens those ropes back up, so nobody would know that he had loosened them before the other rest of the guards came and walked back out. Not a word. So a few months later, it is Christmas Day. And Senator McCain and this guard find themselves in kind of an open space outside in the, in the dirt outside of their confinement area. And without saying a word, the guard takes his foot and he traces a cross in the dirt right in front of Senator McCain. They sit there for a silent moment. Then the guard takes his foot, wipes it clean, and moved on. That is a witness to the resurrected Christ. Didn't have to say a word. But it changed everything for Senator McCain. Gave him the hope and the courage to continue to be strong in his captivity. And on Christmas Day, nonetheless. You have all been given specific gifts to be witnesses. Sometimes that starts in your families. Sometimes that starts in your neighborhood. Sometimes your place of business, groups that you belong to, friends that you um, interact with. Sometimes it's just seizing opportunities that come your way. So I will share something that happened to me yesterday. God saw fit for me to have to rewrite the last part of this last night after I had my encounter. So my family's still in Tallahassee, so I usually go home Thursday afternoon and come back here Saturday afternoon, get here around dinner time so I can make sure to get ready for Sunday, make sure all is well. Well, I was late getting out of Tallahassee, so it's, I usually try to get here by 6, 6.30. It's now 7.38, and I thought, ah, oh, my computer's at the church. I have to go by the church. So run up, get my laptop, come back down to the car, I'm in the porticochere, the porticochere, a fun new word for me. And then I see a guy over on the bench right in front of Trinity Episcopal. And he's looking around the columns, see if he can see me. And I see him waving. I'm like, oh, no, no, oh, no, no, no. I don't have time. I don't have time. Are you the pastor? <laughs> yes, I am the pastor. Come on over. What can I do for you? So he says his name is Tom. He's a big Grizzly Adams looking guy, which I know dates me. That was a big kind of outdoorsy guy, big beard, hair out, a little straggly, clear. He had been on the street 
for some time. Seemed very nice and polite, and I start getting the story. I'm listening with one open ear and one cynical ear, as we often do, because you know there's an ask at the end of his tale of woe. Grew up in Phoenix City, been here for a while, but been all over the country, been in several accidents, but was as nice and coherent as I, anybody in this space. So finally I said, Tom, what, what can I do for you? What, what do you need? I'm, I'm on the, I got I to preach tomorrow, buddy. I got to make sure all is ready. I got this great baptism, all excited about it. I got to run over. I got to set things up. I got to be ready. I didn't say that, but that's what's going through my mind. And he says, Pastor, I think it's been a couple days since I've eaten a meal. I said, okay, okay. I haven't eaten dinner. Is it okay if I eat with you? Let's go get something to eat. He says, heavens yes, heavens yes. Come on, let's do it. So he wanted to go to the Waffle House. Very excited about that. So I drive him over to the Waffle House. And so there we are. We're having dinner. Three pork chops. Big vat of grits with cheese. This monster bowl of salad with ham chunks and whatever else they found in the back. They could see that he was hungry and needed, and they were wonderful, the staff and our waitress there. And so I start talking. I don't often get a chance just to sit down and talk with somebody who's living so differently. I said, well, tell me about your life. What's going on? Where you been? What's, are you here? And, and so he starts talking. And every once in a while, he'll stop and he'll look past me to one side and have a side conversation with nobody. I see his lips moving. He's talking with someone. It's not me. So he'll eat a little bit more, and then he'll look back over again the other side, and, and he'll talk to somebody who's not there that I can see. And so I'm starting to see there are some other issues here that I wouldn't have been able to see right away. But as I would ask him a question, he would come right back and be as nice and as friendly. And while we were sitting there, I was thinking, how, how can I communicate Christ to my friend Tom? How can I do that? We just come through Easter. That's got to be a good basis. And then before any of that, he says, Pastor, I just want to tell you how much God has been with me throughout my whole life. It's not been an easy one. It's been through a lot of suffering. And he said, I think my time is, I'm just about through with the suffering and God brings me through every time. I feel his presence with me. And so here I sit, trying to be a witness to him, but he is witnessing to me. Pastors, we Presbyterians are all about words sometimes. And so that's often the first go-to. But I was already doing my part in actions. He saw that I cared for him. He knew that I was a Christian and a pastor and so loved Christ. And he would share his faith with me. He and I shared broiled fish 
at the Waffle House yesterday, as Jesus and his disciples did. Then after, drove him to the Connell Lodge, got a room, knowing that I had been blessed for the interaction, knowing that although I was trying to help, he was witnessing to me. I could very easily have said, no, I've got too much to do to serve God that I can't handle this right now. Or I could have dropped him off and said, here's 10, have a good night. And this, this isn't a, your great preacher story. It's a, how I was ministered to by someone who was very different than me, or so I thought. So Tom, thank you, my friend. I enjoyed our dinner last night. God puts opportunities in front of us every day. We are to use our senses to recognize that Christ is there, to interact with the world that is covered in war and disease and poverty and despair and suffering. How do we counter all that? We become witnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In whatever small and large way that we've been called to, sometimes we step out of our comfort zone, and yes, we need to be safe. It doesn't always work out well when we try to help others, but sometimes it does. And just like me, we are often transformed in the process of seeking to care for others. We are witnesses to the resurrection. Whether you draw a cross in the sand with your foot to remind somebody that they are loved, that they are special, and that God's resurrected love and light are with them, maybe it's a conversation, a visit, all of those things. So our challenge this week is to go and do two things. Seek Jesus with all of your senses. And number two, ask yourself, who or what in this community needs to be reminded of the risen Christ? And then go and do that thing. Maybe it's with other people. Maybe it's through other organizations. You know, you know. Don't let those opportunities pass you by because you are countering that darkness and evil in the world with the light, grace, and love of Jesus Christ. This is our calling, the third week of Easter. Let us go and be witnesses and celebrate that Christ has been raised. Alleluia. Amen. Alleluia.